I've, I've titled this message, The Outworking of Being in Christ. This, what does it look like uh, being in Christ? We always talk about being in Christ, and that is our residence. That's our place. Uh, and God has, has uh, declared that we are in his son, and, and there are benefits that come with that, but there are also responsibilities. And I wanted to just talk about that. I really appreciate uh, the Holy Spirit as he led our sister Jadida uh, in that direction. You know, Christianity uh, says, uh, for me, it says that there's a people in whom dwells the Spirit of God. And I would like for us to really understand what that means, because if God's Spirit lives in us, that means God lives in us and that we are able to do more than we could do as ordinary people. When the Spirit of God dwells in you, you are different than others who don't have the Spirit of God. Now, we would say, I know that, but do we really know that? You know, we know that maybe uh, intellectually, but we don't know that in our hearts, and so we have to continue to seek God until we know these things in our heart. We have to be diligent seekers of God, that is, going after God with all of our heart. Uh, David, the psalmist, was a diligent seeker of God. He, he was always talking about how he, how he uh, followed hard after the Lord. And we have to be that way as well. And uh, it also says, Christianity says that, that this people of God is led by the Spirit of God and not by natural inclinations and natural tendencies. So sometimes, you know, we, we have that natural tendency. We are, we are, this is the way we've always been, and this is the way we feel like we'll always be. But those are, are incompatible. Those thoughts are incompatible with what the Spirit of God teaches us. The Spirit of God teaches us that if anyone is in Christ, they're a new creation. They're a new kind of person. So the way you've always been, hey, don't, go, don't take me there or I will. No, that's wrong. That's the old man. You're talking about the old man. You're not talking about the new man. The new man is, is not created in a, in a garden of failure called Eden, but he is created in Christ Jesus, a place of success and victory. We have to understand that. That's where the new man is. And so uh, the, uh, the outworking of the indwelling Christ makes us different than all the peoples of the earth, all the peoples of the earth. We, we are what I would classify a people group. We're a people group. You have all the various people groups in the world. Well, we are also a people group, but we are the people of God. And we don't look like any other people group because what is the reality, our reality is inside, not outside. Let's look at the scripture. In Ephesians chapter 5, we'll start there, and we'll go as far as we can go, and then we'll take up at another time. Firstly, I have here a walk in love. Now, that means that people who are the people of God must walk in love. Now, how do we walk in love? It is similar to something that happened to me in my mid-20s when I heard the voice of God one day saying, hmm. I would like a place where all of my children could worship me together. I heard God's voice. And I said, I would do it, Lord, but I don't know how. And when he said to me, love everyone who comes through your doors. I all, for many, many years, I thought God had given me something to do. 
but God had not given me something to do. And I, 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 don't, I cannot reiterate that enough. He had not given me something to do. He spoke into me love. He just spoke it into me in a way that is different. You may say, well, if Jesus is in you, uh, uh, you have love in you. Yes, that is correct. But when he said love to me, something was formed in me. And so likewise, with all the people of God, there is something formed in you that's love. The Bible says that, it does not say rather, that God has love. We know God has love. But the Bible doesn't say God has love. It says God is love. And therefore, the God of love lives in us. We, we cannot help but love. So this is what being in Christ looks like. We are a loving people. Now, loving some people will hurt. Love hurts. Eh? It hurts. I guarantee you it hurts. Um, I remember a number of years ago when uh, one of our sisters um, mom passed away and we had gone to, to be a part of that service and encourage and comfort her. And this little country preacher said something that blessed my heart so much. He said, our grief is the price we pay for having loved so much. So there is pain in loving, but it's not pain that makes us quit. It's pain that we deem worth it to love. In Ephesians 5, uh, 1, it says, the scripture says, and Paul is writing, therefore be imitators or followers or mimic of God as dear children. Be imitators, be followers, be, um, be those who mimic. And I've often given you the illustration of children wanting to be like their parents. And when daddy leaves home, the children will get in dad's shoes. And sometimes the girls will get in mama's shoes and walk around. We play daddy and mama. You know, hey, you get over there and you do. We play daddy and mama. So he says, so what you see of God, follow it. Mimic it. Do it. Now, the thing is, and, and I think Pastor Stan taught us this. Uh, that's not the, the, the last place we're to go. We mimic until we participate. But you do, you do the following, mimicking, doing what he does. You do it until it takes shape in you. And once it takes shape in you, you're no longer mimicking. Are you with me? And so he says to do this as dear children. I think Paul probably has uh, in his mind how children imitate their parents and mimic their parents until they become then parents, your real parents. So verse 2 tells us, and not only do that, but and walk in love, agape. As Christ also has loved Agapao us and given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. Now, he says to us, walk in love. He's not per se giving us something more to do and to try to work out, but he's saying Christ is in you, therefore love is in you. God has placed love in you, therefore you can do what God demands. You can walk out the demands of God. And so in this present world, we must walk out the demands of God. We must love just like God loved, just like Jesus loved. God loved, the Father loved that he gave his son, his only begotten, gave his, his most treasured person, his only begotten son. They had an immense, from eternity to, to eternity, they had immense fellowship. We don't know how long eternity is, but we know it's a lot longer than time. And they had forever and ever in the past, as it were, but there's no real past to eternity. So I'm using human language. But forever and ever in the past, they had amazing fellowship. And then one day in time and space, God says, I'm going to give you for those sinners, those rebellious and treasonous people. So that's the love.
love. And then Jesus, the eternal son of God. He wasn't just the son of God when he was born of Mary, but he, he was the eternal son of God. And when Jesus gave his life for us, that's love. He didn't give a, a, his life for us because we were, as it were, worth it. His giving himself made us worth it. So how is it? How is it that it made us worth it that, that now we are now carriers, containers of God? That's what he did. That's big. I, I want you, I, it's a Selah moment. I want you to think about that. We are containers of God. I told you a number of years ago, many decades ago, when we first founded the fellowship, and uh, I was preaching a lot on being containers. We are containers of God. When I first got the revelation that we were a, a container, I was disappointed. <laughs> you know, I mean, really, I, I mean, it, it, I'm just human. I was disappointed. I thought, oh, just containers? And then the revelation grew and grew, and I realized, no, not just containers, but containers of God, containers of the divine essence. That's big. That's huge. Amen. Amen. Thank you over there. And so he, said, he shows us that Christ gave himself for us um, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet smelling aroma, which really indicates that this is the kind of selfless love that you must employ, that you must exemplify, sacrificial love. Maybe we, we say sacrificial love so, because it gives us... The, an understanding that we perhaps don't have, sacrificial love. So love is sacrificial. You cannot love without sacrifice. You cannot love without sacrifice. You cannot love without sacrifice. Don't tell me you married the perfect person. And you're not the perfect person. You are not yourself. But love is sacrificial. And so he tells, he, he speaks this into us. He speaks it to us. He says, walk in love. So there you go. There you go. Wow. Is that all right? Now, then he, start, he says in here, Paul says, but. So he's talking to people who have been called out of darkness into God's marvelous light, uh, been called out of sin into righteousness, and they have a working out process. So often when we are working it out, it, we don't look like what we are. There's no little baby that's born looks like, and we've had several babies, no little baby that's born looks like what they are or what they're going to be. No, we don't. You know, little babies crawl, they drool, and they do other things all over themselves, and they have to be tended to and taken care of until who they are is really internalized. And so God, this walking out of things is God's process of internalization so that we are now internalizing who we really are. And the longer we know Jesus, the better we ought to walk, the more perfectly we ought to walk. And this is what Paul is saying to the Ephesians, and thus he is saying it to us. But, he says, fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not even be named among you as is fitting for saints. So what he says is that since you are a child of God, you must walk like your dad. I, I won't go into my analogies of dad, my dad. But you must walk like your father. So then we need to know our father in order to walk like our father. So how do we know our father? We know our father by the word of, of the father and by his spirit. 
That's how we know the Father. And we have a wonderful example in the scripture of the unique Son of God, Jesus Christ. When you know Jesus, when you really get to know Jesus, and I want you to be voracious in your desire to know Jesus. And when you start to really know Jesus, you think, wow. You have wow moments, wow days, I mean, wow weeks, like, wow, wow. I, I have a wow, and I always say that's the new amen. But wow, Jesus. So that's how you know him, by, by his, God's word, which is Jesus, but by the written word, the Bible. You know him by the Bible. You know him by his spirit. You know him by his son. So he tells us you cannot be a fornicator and really uh, exemplify sonship or walking in love. You cannot fornicate and walk in love at the same time. So this is what he says. Don't let it even be named among you as become saints. So fornication means illicit sexual intercourse. It also means adultery. I, I, was, I was studying this and I've, I've studied you know, much and read much, but it means also adultery. And, and so it also means something else that, that societal pressure upon the church has caused the church to compromise. So this fornication has to do with homosexuality. It has to do with lesbianism. It has to do with incest. Those things are wrong. It was a kind of a tepid, amen. <laughs> All right. As I say, I'm messing with you. <laughs> So Paul says fornication and all uncleanness, all uncleanness. So uncleanness in a moral sense. It means in a moral sense that you are morally impure. The impurity of lustful, uh, lustful thoughts and lustful actions. He says that's wrong. So you don't do that and you say you're a saint of God. Well, I know I'm a Christian. Well, no, not biblically. You may have made it up in your own mind, but you're not. And then what do I say? You then are a part of the problem. All right? You're a part of the problem. That means we're not going to cast you out. We're going to preach to you until you stop it in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 And, and I'm going to pray. If you run away from this church or my voice, then in the grocery store, somebody will call you out. Amen in Jesus' name. But, but also uncleanness, as I was studying, means uh, being luxurious. You know, like, like just going too far with luxury. I, I, was, I was a little amazed with that. And um, uh, wasteful living, wasteful living. Uh, I, I don't remember exactly, but the Lord gave me a word about wasteful living. I don't remember it exactly, but he gave me this word about uh, wasteful living is not godliness. Wasteful living is not godliness. If you are a wasteful person, you're not godly. And a lot of us are waste, wasteful people. We are wasteful people. We think, well, I don't fornicate, but you're wasteful. You're wasting your money. You're wasting resources that God has given you for the kingdom. You're wasting them. And sometimes they're in the garage. Yeah, I'm serious. And also impure motives has to do with uncleanness. Now, covetousness means greedy, a desire to have more. No matter what you have, you got a desire to have more. Now, I'm not talking about being industrious. We, we want to to make use, good use of what God gives us. We want to multiply it, but just always wanting it for you and yours, you and yours, and maybe more for you than yours. We, we, we need to watch those things. So this is what Paul is, is warning us against and saying that you're not walking in love if you're like that. Then he says covetousness 
uh, is, uh, yeah, greedy desire to have more. It's also called avarice. Then he says to us, um, neither, okay, but fornication and uncleanness or covetousness, let it not even be named among you as, as is fitting for saints, as is the right thing for saints to do. Sanctified ones, those who have been called apart. And then he says, neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor coarse, coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather giving of thanks. He said, uh, no filthiness, foolish talking, coarse jesting, which are not fitting. So he's told us that, that we should live a life that is fitting for the saints, that is a proper life for saints of God, sanctified ones, people that God called. I was talking to my, uh, my dear brother Alex, and we were talking. We have these good conversations. You can always listen in if he says okay. So uh, we were talking about uh, how God is righteous. God would have been righteous to condemn every sinner to hell forever. He would have been righteous. But sometimes we think that God is unrighteous because he's predestined some to salvation. We think that God, well, how, how could he do that? You know, we were talking about that. It was a good conversation. I really enjoyed the conversation because we think, but see, God is righteous if he had condemned everybody to hell, but he is still righteous and no less righteous because he had mercy on somebody. And the, thing, the amazing thing about it, Jesus gives us this, this uh, example of the, um, of the man, the owner of the vineyard, who goes out early in the morning, about six in the morning, and he get, gets workers for his vineyard. And he tells them, how much uh, do I owe you? And they say, a denarius. He said, okay, a denarius? They say, okay, a denarius. And then he goes back and said, nine o'clock and get some more, find some more there. And he goes back again, said noon, and then maybe three o'clock. And then say about five o'clock, he goes there and said, what are you guys doing here? He said, nobody hired us. He said, go in my vineyard and whatever's right, I'll pay. At the end of the day, he starts to pay the people who did the least work. <laughs> and he's so gracious. He gave them a denarius. Right? He gave them a denarius. And so he gave the other ones a denarius. And the people who have been there all day said, ooh, he's going to really load us up. And so, but he did, he gave them a denarius too. And then they began to gripe and complain. Never gripe and complain. You know what? They griped and complained because they showed their evil heart. Because he, the, the owner of the vineyard said, like, let me put it in East Texas vernacular. He said, why are you mad at me? Because I'm, I'm good. Because I'm generous. Because I'm kind. Why are you mad at me? Why are you mad at me? You know, because our anger or our doubt that God is righteous reveals our own wicked heart, not his righteous and good heart. Yeah, God is righteous. All right, God is righteous. He, whatever he does is righteous. Whatever he does is the right thing. Now, notice what he says. He says, um, don't have filthiness, which means obscenity. Obscenities. Obscenities. You know, I know sometimes if you have a, a, a habit of, 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 say, using bad words, profane words, you have a habit of doing that, and you go, oh, that slipped. Well, it didn't slip from outside you. It slipped from inside. And so you need to clean that up. Clean up. You know, I'll tell you a prayer. You can simple pray. You can pray. Lord, I don't want to ever talk like that again. And every time I talk like that, I want you to, you, you to give me a good spanking. I want you to deal with me. I don't want to ever talk like that again. There are enough good words in the English vocabulary that I can express myself without going there. Or the Spanish vocabulary, or the German vocabulary, or the Tagalog vocabulary, wherever you are in the world. All right. All right. Am I, am I doing all right? All right. 
And so, so, so he says, foolish talking. What is foolish talking? I, I have been convicted, frankly, about sometimes joking too much, kidding too much. Uh, I've been convicted by that and I, and in, the, in the last uh, couple of years. Okay, I'm not going to joke too much and kid too much. No, he's not saying don't have fun. He's not saying that, don't have fun. But sometimes our silliness can go to a place where God is not glorified and God is not magnified. You know what I'm talking about. Now, if you ladies don't know what I'm talking about, which you do, but the guys really know what I'm talking about. Because you cannot have worked in the workplace and tell me you, you never were around it. You cannot tell me that. I won't believe you. Uh, I, will tell, I, will I won't tell everybody you are a L-I-A-R, but I will tell them that's why you're lying on the altar there. Uh, you know, so and coarse jesting, coarse jesting, um, uh, like um, uh, even getting to the place, you know, coarse jesting means jesting in a way that is not pure and, 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 uh, and holy. And then he says, um, he talks us about um, being facetious. He says, um, gosh, uh, this being facetious, filtered, coarse talking, coarse jesting which are not fitting, he's saying being uh, facetious in a bad sense, like being witty in a bad sense. You, have you ever known anybody who was really witty, and, but they were witty in a bad sense? Like they could twist something that was innocent and good and make it kind of uh, vulgar, and you, you go, <laughs> <laughs> you, you know, we laugh, you know, because we, we, well, I'm not supposed to laugh, <laughs> you know, we do that. He says, no, no, that's not fitting for saints. Why, why is it not fitting for saints? Because we are different than all the peoples of the earth. We are different. We are God carriers. We have the spirit of God. Therefore, we have God himself because God is spirit. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Pastor. Then he goes on to say in verse 5, for, you, for this you know. Now, this is what every believer knows whether he or she says, I didn't know. He says, for this you know by the Holy Spirit who lives in you, that no fornicator, unclean person, nor covetous man who is an idolater. So if you, if you can look at people who worship sticks and stones and all those kinds of things in the old days, you go, nutty, nutty, nutty. Fruitcake, fruitcake, woo. You know, dumb. You, you go with those words. He says, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. He says, he says um, when you are, do these things, he says, you're a fornicator, unclean person, or covetous man who is an idolater. You're these things, you're an idolater. You're worshiping something other than God. So the Lord wants to clean up his church. Uh, the article was so perfect uh, uh, for, for tonight's message. He says, so no, none of these people who is an idolater has any inheritance, has any inheritance, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Wow. Wow. So then I'm going to read this one and we'll be done. Okay. You okay with that? Thank you. Verse six. Let no one deceive you with empty words. Let no one deceive you with empty words. What we are experiencing is a crisis in that, in that the world is telling believers how they should live. And many believers are listening to the world. The world... Uh, I, I know that whenever I mention what, I, what the Holy Spirit told me to teach on tonight about fornication and, and homosexuality and uh, lesbianism, to say those things, that's not the, uh, the, the crux of my message, but it says those who practice such things, they have no inheritance. And we, we cannot 
deceive people into thinking they're all right. And we go to heaven and they go to hell, the people we deceive, because we were not being who God told us to be. You know, you know, um, I'm going to say something that's very personal, but I, I, I get personal with you. I love you. And I, I want you to know who I am. I want you to know who I am. I don't want you to think I'm something I'm not. And uh, I may not tell you every single itty bit about my life, but you, you know a, a huge amount about my life. I remember uh, in our growing up, uh, my, my, my wife and I growing up in, in, together in our marriage. She would say something to me that I, I vehemently denied. Vehemently denied. You know that word, vehemently? Strongly. Maybe vociferously. <laughs> I said maybe. Maybe. She said, the reason you did not say those strong words, the reason you did not tell the children such and such, the reason you didn't tell the person such and such that you should have talked is because you didn't like the way it made you feel. That's not true. And I didn't, I didn't see it because I thought that wasn't true. And I, I didn't think I would ever come be full-throated and confess it. The Bible says confess your, your faults one to the other. But I did. I didn't like the way it made me feel. And as I grew in the Lord, I realized, oh, I didn't do that because I didn't like the way it made me feel. And a lot of believers are, are committing errors because you don't like the way sometimes righteousness makes you feel. Because people don't receive it and you, you go all, oh, I feel bad. I don't want to say it. I don't want to say it. How do I know what's right? You got the spirit of God in you. How, what do you mean, how do you know what's right? Whoa, wait. whoa, 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 whoa. What did Paul say? He, he says, for this you know. Wow. So, so anyway, that's what it's about. So let nobody deceive you with empty words, right? So I would like to say that we, what we need to do as people of God is be people of God and not let the world shape us into its mold. That's what the Bible says. Do not be conformed. There are a lot of Christians who are conformed. There's a lot of people, Christians, real Christians who are conf being conformed. And there are, there are churchgoers who are definitely conformed. Don't be conformed to this world. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You don't let the world tell you, uh, speak to you about what holiness is. The world cannot tell you what holiness is. And holiness is not a denomination of church folks. It's all of us. Wow. Okay, I'm done. I'm almost done. Let no one deceive you with empty words. So what Paul says is everything that is not biblical uh, then in, in this context becomes empty. When someone contradicts God, he said, don't you let them deceive you. Those words have, don't carry what your words carry. Those are empty words. And he says here, for because of these things, the things that I have enumerated tonight, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. That's amazing. There's a category of people. They are sons of disobedience. We were, they still are, sons of disobedience. God is not going to forgive you because you're cute or you're so handsome or you cry. You know, if you've been like I did, I remember messing up as a kid and I said, Daddy looked at me and said, I'm coming. And I remember I, I cried. I remember crying. I thought, surely my tears will reach his heart. And he just said, I'm going to do something that's going to wipe the tears from your eyes. 
<laughs> oh, I'm just having a little fun with that. <laughs> having a little fun with that. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. The wrath of God. You and I have never experienced, we have never experienced the anger of God. Jesus took the anger for us. The, that, the righteous indignation of God. You and I have never experienced it. And we will never experience it. But there is a category of people, he says, for because of these things that they practice, the wrath of God is going to come upon them. And they're called sons of disobedience. Disobedience brought them forth. The disobedience of Adam in the garden and all the disobedience since then brought them forth. Wow. It's a category of people. And so, godless society cannot define holiness for us. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for, for your word. We appreciate you tonight. You're an amazing God. And you have told us who we are and then what we have and what we're able to do. You've said in this text that I've read that we're not to be partakers or participants with them. We have been told in this church that we are to be participants in your righteousness. We're not just to mimic you, live the rest of our lives just mimicking you. That's our starting point. And we become dear followers doing the same things that you did and that you are. We bless this house in Jesus' name. Amen.